This is Get Uncomfortable, the podcast about race, politics, religion, and all the things we avoid talking about at holiday parties and in mixed company with me, Adam Smith. We're back with Shop Talk, an unscripted conversation that allows you to be the proverbial fly on the wall. From identity and race-based mass shootings to the midterm election, from Elon Musk using Twitter as a tool for misinformation to states striking down a tax on Roe v. Wade, 2022 was filled with topics that many find uncomfortable, yet are critical for our well-being. It seems like this new year will ring in with record numbers of folks being depressed and just plain exhausted due to the reality of same old, same old. Today, I'm joined by my producer, friend, and co-host of What the Finance podcast, Rachel Hansen. Rachel wears a lot of hats in her life. She is a spouse, mother, employee, entrepreneur, and elected official. The most important thing to Rachel is to use the privilege she has as a white, college-educated woman to lift minoritized people. Rachel Hansen, welcome. Happy New Year. Oh, thanks for having me, Adam. It's uh, it's exciting to be here. Like, and of course, nobody can see us except for each other. But uh, in front of the microphone, instead of uh, my usual creeper role on the show of just turning off my camera, needing my microphone and listening to the conversations that you are having with everybody else. <laughs> well, and and I thought it would be really, really cool. I mean, we're recording on the first day of the Jordan year, 2023, right? To, you know, you're you're a pro in the podcast world and do all of our production work, but to kind of, you wear all of these different hats, as we said in the intro, to talk a little bit about reflecting on 2022, which, you know, we were talking a little bit offline was... I don't even know if we can kind of comprehend how messy it was because we compare everything to 2020 and then to kind of look forward to 2023. One of the things that I I think was really interesting was how I I continue to talk about this concept of quiet quitting, right? Um, And for all us Gen Xers and boomers, I always say the millennials were right. What quiet quitting to me is, is that people through various pandemics realized that work is not at the center of their lives and a job is just a job. And it doesn't mean that people are coasting. It means that people are putting things in accurate perspective and saying, if a job or a career is impacting my overall mental, physical, emotional, familial health, it isn't that important. And so I thought, you know, in especially with all the hats you wear, one of the things I wanted to talk about is how we, you know, basically the buyers have created a job market in 2020 and what that's going to look like for 2023 and going forward mm-hmm. that um, 
a job market that is more a buyer's market where the employees have more of a say. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and what you've seen in 2022 and what you think the employment market is going to look like in 2023? Yeah, so I think, so we actually just did an episode on quiet quitting for what the finance. Uh, so it's been, I mean, it's been on my mind this whole year, but it's been even more on my mind in the last, <laughs> I want to say like three weeks that had been previously. And Adam, I got to be honest, the whole concept is just ridiculous to me, right? That uh, corporations are going, oh no, people have figured out that boundaries are a thing. We need to make this sound bad so that people feel guilty. And right, that guilt is a powerful tool because there are more women in the workplace than there ever happened before. And there are more, I mean, very specifically, there are more women of color in the workplace than ever before. And guilt has always been a real powerful tool for us, right? Like, sure, sure, sure. You can have a job and you can, uh, you know, you can do the professional thing, but like, hey, don't forget that your kids really need you. And so you can have the job, but don't forget that you should like feel guilty about it, right? Like being a professional woman in America means learning how to live with guilt. And I think that most of us have done a pretty okay job at managing that, but then you throw an extra guilt-inducing thing and suddenly you have an even more powerful tool to control employees. Well, it's such a it's such a good point what you're saying, where, you know, the great resignation was led by black women. I mean, I, I heard numbers that it was like five percent of black women went back to their previous employer after people were on lockdown. That people that you people were so used to women, black women specifically, and then all of us were so used to workplace trauma. That mm -hmm. when we mm -hmm. finally were forced during a shutdown to be away from that smoke, it's almost like when you're in a nightclub all night and initially you smell the smoke in the air from the smokers that are there, but then you <laughs> stop. And it isn't until mm -hmm. you get home till you realize, oh my gosh, I stink. And it's in your pores and it's in your hair and it's in your clothes. And yeah. so- the pandemics almost had women realize, okay, let me wash this out of myself. And I, I agree that part of it is guilt. And part of it is also, I fought so hard to be a or have a, I'm not going to let it go, right? right I define right. myself by the title I have, the money I make. And then I realize when I see over a million people die in the United States from a pandemic and see racialized trauma and see mass shootings and all the things mm -hmm. that none of that matters if I'm in a grocery store in Buffalo, New York. Right, right. Well, and I think I think to the other piece of your question, what does quiet quitting then kind of look like right as we move forward into 2023? I've got to admit a pretty significant amount of skepticism that these boundaries that we've been working to put up are actually going to stay in place. And I say this as somebody who 
uh, has spent now this last year also as a job seeker, right? That I am, as I'm going through and I'm asking for things like, um, I mean, even something that I would consider to be really basic right now, remote work in like a standard office setting. Oh, I don't know if we can actually offer that to you anymore, right? Like hearing a lot of that and then a lot of, um, you know, well, we don't know if we can actually pay you what you're worth. Okay, right, like you do kind of get to a point where, like, yes, we're all, we all have jobs and we're all doing work because hopefully you find it to be fulfilling on some level, right? Like, it's not your whole life, but it is part of your life. Uh, but ultimately, right, we're all working jobs where we make money for the money, right? <laughs> like, um, right, like a warm, glowy feeling is not going to pay your rent and put food on your table. But then, so then do you kind of, without you really even noticing it, right? Like a, um, like a frog being boiled, do you then suddenly realize like, okay, well, uh, right, like unemployment has run out, we've got to pay the rent and kids have got to eat. So yeah, I guess I'll just take the job, right? Like I'm skeptical. When I think that skepticism is real because part of what we in America forget is the Huey Newton, Bobby Seal, that the power does rest with the people, right? We do have the power. It just becomes how much risk we're willing to take. And when you're faced with death and you're stuck in your house and you're seeing George Floyd murdered on the street and Amir Locke and Ahmaud Arbery and down the list, and you're seeing all the things happen, at some point, right, you... You realize, okay, I have nothing to lose, or I have less to lose than I thought I did. I think those are the things that that really make a difference. It it reminds me of one of the other huge events in 2022, you know, Russia's invading of Ukraine. And the United States, I think, to date has sent, I don't know, $65 billion to Ukraine. And it's it's amazing to me when you are fighting, people don't understand you're invading people's front yards kind of like the vietnam war right Wait a minute. you're invading okay you're an invading force but i'm fighting for my grocery store and like where my grandma lives and so it's a different level of fight and concern that has happened in russia or in ukraine for the ukrainians and it was interesting seeing um the ukrainian president uh vladimir what's it polinsky Volensky with a V, like V for Victor, Volensky. Yeah, speaking speaking to (laughs) joint session of Congress and talking about basically how the United States, how our investment in Ukraine is not charity, but it's it's an investment in the world's peace, right? Right. Um, along with investment that we want to make sure that we're only paying $2 and 50 cents a gallon for gas. What are your, what are your thoughts about, do you think Russia finally moves back 
in Ukraine in 2023? Do you think that they admit defeat? Do you think Putin does that? Or do you think that they just keep pressing and we keep supporting and dumping money in um, and the Ukrainian people still fight, continue to fight the way that they are, which is truly heroic? Right. Well, so here's and I'm no Russia expert, right? Like I would just say that like on the outset, but to my mind, well, first of all, we're going to keep helping because not only is it the right thing to do, we are also obliged by a treaty to help them in this type of a situation. And the United States is super awesome at honoring treaties for other people who look like us. So I'm just going to kind of leave that little nugget there. But I'm going to bring up TikTok, and I know that it's controversial, uh, but there are a lot of Ukrainian creators that I follow on TikTok to get an actual sense of like boots on the ground, what are real people living in Ukraine saying about what's going on. And so from that, the sense that I am getting is that actual Russians, so they were never really down with the war to begin with. Right. But Putin was smart and he just used people who were already in the army. He wasn't drafting anybody. But it turns out that the Ukrainians are doing a real kick ass job of decimating Russian soldiers. Uh, And now a draft is happening in Russia. Russians are not happy about it. The Russians are not happy about it. So what I would expect, based on the limited knowledge that I have, is Putin isn't going to accept defeat. He's not just going to say, oh, right, like, whatever that looks like, right? My bad, guys. I surrender. Have your country. Have your democracy. It's going to be his own people that force him to surrender in this war that he has started. Mm. What do you say to the people, Rachel, here in the U.S., right? Because I get it. It's this delicate balance, right, of, okay, like you said about the treaty thing and the democracy thing. I think think it has a big deal to do with the oil thing um, Mm -hmm. because the next country will be, what, Myanmar, right, who, I mean, you want to assemble the Soviet Union again, right, and that, that is scary to the United States in many, many, many different reasons. Not what isn't lost on me is, you know, this idea of the police of the world, right? When right. we have our own, we have our own policing problem here in the United <laughs> States, right? Obviously. Right. right. So what do you say to the people that say, you know what, 64, I, I think it's almost 80 billion. That's real money. It's, right. it's not like right. canceling student debt where it isn't real money. Right. <laughs> but um, you are essentially you are essentially giving billions of dollars of the people's real money to this other country, while people in our country are still starving, are still struggling in schools. We don't have health care for all. We have all of these issues within our own nation that we can be addressing as well. How how do you think about that balance with yourself, especially as a mom and an elected official? Yeah, so I think, I mean, it's a real challenge. There's no other way to say it. Like We are living in challenging times. And I think that what it really gets down to, I'm sorry, I'm trying to think about how to 
phrase feelings into words. <laughs> so when I think about it now, and I'm like, even before I start talking, I'm going to say, right, like the original suffragist movement in the United States had some real problems, right, with regards to race and class and all of those things that we talk about on Get Uncomfortable. Where they were smart was to use uh, the words of their own president, President Wilson at the time, to advocate for their own liberty in this country. So I think that in that sense, we have a pretty okay <laughs> foundation to lean on, right? When we are now we're living here in 2023 and we're advocating for real change that out there in the news. And we were talking about this before we started recording. I, everybody on network news is talking about how important democracy is and how important it is to protect our representative governments across the globe and blah, 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 blah. Um, what we really need to get at, uh, I mean, frankly, are more women. And I would say, I would even go as far as to say more women who are kind of in that elder millennial generation, right? Like the like the mid 80s to early 90s women who are kind of living now with this promise of, hey, you can have it all. You can have a family, you can have whatever. These are the women that we need to get into elected office, right? Um, and I think even more importantly than just saying women, my opinion is that it also really needs to be women of color. And I don't say that because I'm trying to, like, as a white woman, I understand that that's a very loaded thing, right? Like, to say, like, hey, we need more women of color in elected office. The reason that I think that is not because I think that Black women are going to save us from ourselves. I mean, I guess I do a little bit think that that is true. Black women are going to save us from ourselves. But ultimately, I think it's because that lived experience is the lived experience of the majority of people that live in our country. And if we're going to see real change, it's going to be from that group of people. Mm, and so yeah. any yeah. dude, I mean, and I say like, especially men, right? Because we're still kind of living in this transitional time where uh, men are the ones with the power and the ones with the money. Any man who is actually committed to real social change is going to back the heck up. And he's going to give the money to that group of women, right? Because when you want to talk about women running for elected office, like, first of all, it's stupid expensive, right? There's a lot of money in just running a campaign, right? We're talking about money for ads and we're talking about money for paying staff and we're right. Like, and all of these things, but the other part of it is the losses that you, the financial losses that you take as an elected official. Um, now, Minnesota just elected our first uh, Latina rapper to our state house, Maria Issa. She's amazing. 
I'm like seizing up in my body. I'm so excited that she won her election. Like she's just incredible. And because she's an artist, most of her money came from grants that she is now no longer eligible for because she is an elected official. So if you want to talk about people like Maria Issa being in the state house, like we can't have that conversation without also talking about what a financial hit it is. And now I feel like I've kind of just like gone way off from the original no, question. I no, don't even remember what no, the original but question was. But, <laughs> but, that, but it, it's so true that I think it's one of the things that we forget, right? We see elected official and we immediately think Washington and the Senate and the presidency when the real work is happening at the local level. And it's one of the pieces that the National Republican Party, when Senator Obama became the president, figured out is, okay, we're just going to start packing city councils. We're going to start packing state houses. We're going to start packing school boards, right? The kind of things that you're on. Talk a little bit about your process, right? Because obviously schools have become battlegrounds, right? Because that's what happens is folks are trying to find their next abortion to polarize and to get people fired up about. They took CRT and made it into something it wasn't, started talking about banning certain books and people are, you know, trying to turn children into cats and having them go into the bathroom and litter by and making up these crazy right. things just right. to get people on fire to fight for their babies. Talk a little bit about the continued issues around schools and why those local elections, starting with school boards, but then also to give people once they're elected, the resources and the space to do the work because it's a full-time job where you might be getting a couple hundred dollars a month, maybe, right? right? How are you going to do that? And how do we provide that space for women, in particular women of color, to hold those offices that are the most important to fight off some of the misinformation and propaganda that's out there. Oh man, I'm having flashbacks to like last November because the school board race in my city where I am a school board member and thankfully not up, I was not up for re-election last year and I was really glad about that. But um, that was exactly what the GOP did, right? Oh my gosh, what's his face? So it was Steve Bannon, right, published this whole guide for people specifically to run for school boards. Um, because people got real riled up over mask mandates in schools. My community, as in really pretty much every single community across the country, right? We're talking about uh there's this claim that requiring children to mask in schools is akin to child abuse, and right, like really inflammatory language so we got a bunch of people who ran solely on the ticket or the idea rather that they were going to end the mask mandate if they got elected there wasn't going to be any more masking in our schools and it was ugly and those of us who were on the board if i really saw this out in the community we started getting painted with this really kind of a terrible brush right so if you were if anybody who's listening to this have, has friends or 
family who are on the school board and they were pro mask mandate i'd say even now like go check on them because a lot of us were being labeled as like child abusers and um, and like pro-human trafficking because apparently it's easier to traffic children if their faces are covered uh i mean i don't know right like just it's real wild stuff and so what that ended up looking like for me was right like in very public settings being extremely vulnerable about my own family and now everybody who's listening to this show will also know this if you didn't already but my my son had some very small complications when he was born and he was in um, intensive care. Actually, not for very long, but it was still really terrible. You know, to see my my little guy hooked up to all these monitors. And so then I'm taking that right as an elected official. And I'm going, no person ever deserves to see their child in that kind of a setting. So I'm going to keep voting for a mask mandate but talking in the community about I'm not a child abuser and I'm not trying to make it easier for folks to traffic your children. I'm doing this vote to protect my kids. And so some of, I think, how you give women space to serve elected office is frankly just basic human decency, right? Like, I mean, like you just said, Adam, there's not a lot of money in serving in those types of elected offices, right? I make about $400 a month as a school board member. Um, and I'm trying to stay up on all the legislation. And uh, and there's some exciting things going on in Minnesota right now, right? Like, it's not a big chore, right? Like, oh, no, I can't believe that we're talking about free lunch for all in Minnesota, right? Like... <laughs> It's not like it's a huge downer most of the time, but it still is a really big time commitment. And so then for somebody to say, hey, you took on this time commitment to serve our community. You're obviously a child abuser. Like, no, be do the basic human decency thing. And, you know, at worst, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. When I think, I think to your point, Rachel, one of the things that you're saying is has led to, because what I'm hearing is, I think what has happened is we have masked our inability, just as we've talked about, to be uncomfortable with decency. That isn't decency. That's just avoidance, right? Because right. <laughs> you don't want to talk about certain, and that's how Bannon and others you know, there yeah. wouldn't be a fire to light if there wasn't oxygen in the room. He knows that there's oxygen around these things because people don't mm -hmm. deal with them. And then immediately, right. Right. you know, you and I, we sit and talk through, oh, mask, no mask. I get it. I know why. There's nothing to ignite with us. But with other people, because you're avoiding it, you're just tolerating each other. You're right. not truly really right. getting in uncomfortable spaces to work through with it. One of the things that we were talking about off mic is how the midterms ended up so differently than the Republicans thought. And mm -hmm. I honestly mm -hmm. think what they thought publicly, they've always known that their ideals and values are in the minority. 
And right, the more right. and more that we, the, more and more people that end up having children, this whole idea of the replacement theory, and it, it isn't just that you are being replaced, old white cisgendered wealthy man. It's that your ideals are being replaced. You mm -hmm. could change mm -hmm. your party to represent what the people want. Right. But the reality is they're choosing not to. And so what's happened is the more you turn people out to vote, that's mm -hmm. the reason voter suppression is real, because right. the Republican Party knows that the more people turn out, the less chance they have to win. It's the reason why they lost the Senate, because there's only two senators. You can get the House because you can have obscure views because you have a whole bunch of people in, in the House of Representatives. So right. one of the things I wanted to ask you about was how you felt about the midterms, um, not just who was elected, in seats, but then we had this wholehearted, whether it was in Kansas or Kentucky, rejection of measures to even make abortion even harder to access. I mean, Kentucky yeah. put on the ballot to change the state constitution and the same state who elected Daniel Cameron, right? The same state who elected Rand Paul, right? And, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? The Grim Reaper right? In Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're talking yeah. about Mitch McConnell. Mitch right? McConnell and okay. Rand Paul. The same state <laughs> rejected a constitutional measure to outlaw abortion. The same people, right? right? Like, oh no, 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 no. We're not, we're, we don't want people all up in. So that is how we have be, we're becoming even more and more this this chance, right, to become a South Africa, an apartheid state where you have this small, crazy views that some people have, like the kind of things you're talking about. Yeah. And then you have the majority of people who don't believe any of that, right? So reflect on that a little bit, those midterms in 2022, and what your hope is for 2023, because we're already having people starting to declare for the presidency in 24. That's going to be kicking up this fall of, okay, we're going to start, you know, we're going to start dealing with the primary elections around um, the candidates for the presidential election in 24. What are your thoughts about how that's looking going forward? Yeah. So, I guess to the first, to your first question about how did I feel about the midterms? I guess for me, it was a mixed bag, right? Like I felt really good about, like voter turnout was really good. And I was excited about the striking down of uh, abortion bans in different states. But I think for me, there still is a level of discouragement, right? With how things are turning out. Because now kind of like looking forward, the excitement, or I guess, excitement is not the right word, right? The energy that we saw around midterm elections this last year is something that I wish that we could have for all elections, right? Like it gets really discouraging to me to see people just constantly showing up for presidential elections and that's all that they show up for. And I, and I think to jump in, Rachel, your first point about having more women of color, more women, um, more younger candidates that are women, people of color, queer folk, all of the things, right, running for office. I, 
I worked for an elected official. I never believe it's the voters' fault that they don't turn out. It's the candidate's fault. Like, mm -hmm. what, Why mm -hmm, are mm -hmm. you not getting, I mean, it's part of the effort that you and our colleague Nevada Little Wolf were a part of, right? Right. A whole effort to lift up candidates that create some buzz with people. Because right now, people are literally, because of voter suppression laws, they are risking loss of job, loss of life, loss of this, loss of that, to oh, go yeah. stand in line. Give yeah. me somebody to stand in line for. Oh, 100%. I'm with you on that. You know, as far as now looking ahead, frankly, I have a lot of frustration. Um, Because I think that part of the reason that people don't turn out, right? And maybe the way that we would like to see is because they're tired, right? Like right now, right? We're gearing up to spend now the next two years talking about, hey, who are we going to elect for president? Who are we going to elect for president? Like, oh, that's who you're supporting? Well, you're a terrible person. Like, who are we going to vote for president? Like by the time that 2024 rolls around with the presidential election, we're going to be exhausted. We're going to be angry and nobody's going to want to vote for anything. Like the fact that we are right now talking about, hey, who's going to get nominated for president in 2024? In my opinion, we need to knock it off, right? We should be spending this time not talking about the next election, but actually buckling down and doing real work that's going to help real people, both here and abroad, with our legislative bodies mm. talking about the presidential election in January of 2023, or even right. Like we've been talking about this since Thanksgiving is absolutely the last thing that we ought to be doing right now. Like let's stop looking at the next election and look at what's happening right now. And what can we do right now? Mm. And, and I think one of those first things people, people can do is Start educating yourself, right? Um, yeah, I love to stream Netflix, right? I, I, I you know, I, I've been watching Alice in Borderland, this Japanese post-apocalyptic mm. uh, series. Crazy stuff, right? I mean, those are fun escapes. You know, British Baking Championship, love it, right? Love yeah. British Baking Show, but at some point, we have to understand how important things are and what not only what the legislative process is but what is really going on in the world you know why mm -hmm. it matters that elected officials publish their taxes why yes i paid well i paid over 10 times more in federal taxes last year than 45 paid in the years that he did combined I mean, just mm -hmm. think, how, how does that right. even work, right? So it, it doesn't right. have to be understanding these things, but we have to start questioning, how does this even work? How does um, those systems work? Thanks for joining us for part one of Shop Talk with Adam Smith and me, Rachel Hansen. Get Uncomfortable is brought to you in partnership between Rachel and Adam. If you like what we're doing, and we really hope that you do, we hope that you will support the show by giving us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll see you for a part two of this conversation on Sunday, January 29th.